tanks are pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled, buildings entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Along with me is my esteemed colleague, the impeccable Rob Kelly from AquanShrine.com. Howdy, Shag. I am uh, I am very happy to be here, and I am uh, just happy to be indoors because right now it is approximately 400 degrees outside. Oh well, you know here in Florida it's 600, yeah. so take that. <laughs> it's miserable. It's it's 9:30. Just pull back the veil a bit, folks. It's 9:30 in the morning, and it's miserably hot already. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> But that's the summer for you. We have the Weather Channel uh, on in the background sometimes, and they were doing the local forecast, and they're like, "This was yesterday," and they're like, "The high, the high, the uh, high today is 97. Tomorrow, 103." I was like, "Wait, wait, what?" <laughs> like, what oh my just... god! <laughs> well, here in Florida, the thing we we just always know it's going to be miserably hot during the summer, but we always watch out to see if Jim Cantore is anywhere near us. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, then we know the hurricanes are coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's Cantore. Let's get the hell out of here. Exactly. He's shown up in our town a few times, but it's always like, Jim, go home. Just go home, Jim. We don't want you here. Folks, uh, we are here today to talk about the new 52 number 10s. Um, they came out a couple weeks ago, and we are doing our review episode now, and uh, we're going to get to those in just a few moments. But first off, i got to tell you, um, I wanted to talk a few other things. Did you uh, Have you seen Spider-Man yet? I have not. I plan to take my nephew to it, but I just we just have not gotten around to it yet. Everyone that I know that has seen it, has said it was pretty good. It's really good. Okay. I really dug it. I dug it a lot. Um, James Garfield? No, not James. Not James, James Garfield. <laughs> Isn't that the guy who invented Magic the Gathering? President James Garfield was superb as Spider-Man. That's right. He really was. <laughs> Andrew, I think it's Andrew Garfield, maybe? Andrew anyway, Garfield. That, that kid made a great <laughs> Peter Parker. I think I found my bumper for today's show. Oh, lovely. Thank you. <laughs> and Teddy Roosevelt is great as the lizard. <laughs> uh, FDR is Professor X. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, that was a little, uh, you know, handicapped humor Parable, for you. Parable humor. 
Yes, I'm a horrible person. Uh, anyway, the guy, Peter Parker, he was great. He was really, really good. The movie was a lot of fun. I went to it with my 12-year-old, and we had a blast. That's good. Yeah, I, I really do want to see it, but, you know, like I said, it's, uh, I think the, the, the days when I used to have to see those things, the day they came out, that's kind of past. I guess that's the day I grew up. Yeah, hollow laugh, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. I'm Rob. <laughs> As we commence on our podcast about Aquaman and Firestone. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I do I do very much want to see it, and I, I do love uh, Emma Stone, I have to say. Oh, how couldn't you? Oh, my goodness. Woo! And that kid's date, dating her, too. I, you know, hey, man. Good, more power Lucky. to you. <laughs> Lucky guy. It's actually, it's, uh, it's driven a, a fuel in me for comic reading. I've been reading, I busted out my old uh, Essentials of Marvel Team-Up, and uh, I've been reading old Spider-Man Marvel Team-Up comics. I used to so love those books. I used to love those Team-Up books. They don't really have them anymore. You know, like actually, the one uh, uh, Avenging Spider-Man. Oh, was that a Team-Up book? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know that existed. Okay, that's, that's cool. I used to like, the, you know, where it was like Brave and the Bold and... Mm-hmm. You had one anchor character and then the rotating characters. Those were, those were fun fun titles. Yeah, and as a kid, for me, I, that was my Spider-Man book of choice. And I think it was because uh, you could get two heroes for one. That's probably why I was doing it, I imagine. So, <laughs> Very economically centric argument to make for buying comics. I've always been frugal, so what can I say? <laughs> what have you been reading? Uh, you know, I do not read too many print comics anymore, um, as you might expect. Like, I'm kind of getting more into web comics because I'm just sort of interested in seeing what else is out there in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, what else we're doing and, you know, sort of what is, quote-unquote, Ace Killroy's, I don't want to think, I don't want to say competition because it's not competition, but just, you know, what Con- else is out contemporary. there. Contemporary. Contemporary. Yes, that was that's a good way to put it, contemporaries. Um, anyway, I've been wanting to find other um, comic web comics to mention on our blog roll because I want to have, you know, some other, you know, places to make. Just say, hey, do you like Ace Killer? you like these other ones? So I found a couple of really cool ones. There's one called, um, and they said these are all just, you can just find them at their websites. There's one called Band versus Band, which is... Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's like um, kind of, it's 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 hard to describe really. It's it's sort of like uh, melodrama but with kind of like a Josie and the Pussycats thing. Um, and it's done in all, it's done in three colors. Basically white, blue, and red. The whole strip. Oh, and some and black too, but it's it's a really um, it's done by a woman named Kathleen Jacques, and it's really really cute. It's a really really cute strip and a really very visually visually compelling. Um, there's another one called Casey the Pillow Fighter, which is <laughs> just a great title, which is like a kids thing, and it's it is gorgeous. It is it is it looks like those um like those you know those classic golden books you had as a kid. Like yeah. kind of like painterly style, but this whole strip is done in that style. Um, it's it starts off with once in the, once upon in, once upon a time in the land of Napalot. <laughs> there, <laughs> there lived a boy named Casey. He was good at many things: jumping rope, checkers, hide seek. But his greatest gift was pillow fighting. And then he goes up to become an adult, and he uses pillows like the way Hammer uh, Thor uses his hammer. Um, oh my god! Yeah. So and then um, my buddy uh, Sean Tiffany, my one of my oldest friends, has a strip that he's just starting soon called um, Oil Can't Dry, which is like a about a rock band in like a post-apocalyptic America and stuff. So, he's <laughs> to, so yeah, it's uh, there's there's a lot of really really cool stuff out there, and I'm just sort of like uh, I'm like proud to have Ace Killer be part of this sort of movement and see what mm-hmm. how much is out there. So this is just you know like if you just do like a web comic search in Google, you'll find. You'll find a lot of bad stuff, <laughs> but you'll find Aww. you'll find a lot of really interesting 
very singular visions. And, uh, you know, as you might imagine, I'm kind of getting more and more into that. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I've been reading, um, I'm going to have to check out some of those. That Napalot one sounds great. Yeah, it's really cute. Uh, I've been reading sort of, sort of like I don't want to say offbeat, but non-traditional superhero stuff myself lately. Uh, you got me. You got the bug in me for Swamp Thing. Alan Moore Swamp Thing. <laughs> Only twenty-five years late. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I had a strong, uh, strong uh, immune system till now. But yeah, anyway, did you hear about this new book, Watchmen? What, what is this? What, you, what do you speak of? <laughs> Why do I keep hearing about Dark Knight Returns? Anyway, so I picked up the first, uh, actually I picked up the first four trades of Swamp Thing, and I blazed through the first two of them, and just, man, I mentioned this on Who's Who, so if you guys are listening to both, sorry if it's a repeat, but man, they're so good. They're, they're amazing. They hold up. They were they were great then, they're great now. It's just, it's it's very, you know, it's, some of them are sort of one and done, which is, I love, but uh, a lot of them you know, had the longer arc going, and it's just really good. The art is gorgeous. Um, what is that? Bissett and Tottleman? Yep, Stephen right? Bissett and John Tottleman. Man, just amazing stuff. And it really, you can really feel where original Vertigo launched out of all this. So good. Did you get to the it, point yet in the annual or Dr. Fate? No. Oh, no, okay. Oh, you'll love it's that. only, uh, I've only finished the first two okay. trades. There's okay. six altogether, so i got a ways to go. But I'm going to get there. I've also been, uh, I also picked up um, a contemporary comic, uh, Brian K. Vaughn's new book, Saga. Which has got an insane amount of buzz around it. It's a science fiction story uh, with a little bit of fantasy kind of elements sprinkled in, as far as like uh, creatures and stuff. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It's it's an image book, and it's it's just I mean, it's literally blowing the charts away as far as non Marvel DC books go. I mean, the, the number one I bought I think was something like the sixth printing oh, or something crazy like that. And uh, it's really good. I mean, the first issue was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. It was just very world-building. It's this sci-fi world, but it, you don't feel it's very sci-fi-ish because it's a story about these two people and their child. And it's, it's very, I hate to say human because they're not human, but there's a, there's a very humanistic story to it, which is really compelling. The first, the, uh, I read number two and three, and those were good too, but I, nothing could compare to number one. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm probably just going to wait for the trade mm. and pick them up that way. But, man. Good stuff. That's what, so, well, that, that's what I did for Vaughn's Why the Last Man. I didn't, mm. I didn't, I didn't read Why the Last Man in individual issues because I just felt like, you know, it would just it was sort of frustrating to read the story in these little bursts. So I just would wait for whatever, you know, six months and then buy the trade and then gorge myself on it. So <laughs> I, that's how I did his Runaways. That was good. That was the other book I was going to mention of his. That was really good when he did it. I thought that. I, I can't. I don't remember who took it over after him, and I think that was like sort of losing interest. But I remember really liking. His Runaways stuff. I think Terry Moore took it over after him. Did he? Okay. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and Runaways, if you've never read it, folks, is a good book for people that enjoyed kid superheroes years ago. Like if you enjoyed, say, I don't know, Power Pack or X-Men when they were young or the Teen Titans, and now you've grown up, Runaways is a great comic because it's about teenage superheroes, but it's not really written for little kids. No, no, not at all. So I think it's a it's a great, great book for that, for, for people who used to like teenage heroes. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, two other quick things I want to mention before we get rolling. We did a crossover recently, thanks to uh, the suggestion of our good buddy Diablo Frank and Ange over at the Supergirl uh, Comic Commentary site. We did a Seeker Files crossover on our, all our blogs. We had something like 15 blogs by the end of it were involved. Something like that. And each one of us featured a page from the Seeker Files and Origins comics. You guys remember those? Those were the big, like, double-sized... You know, they were they were sort of like the bastard child of who's who and secret origins, uh, slapped together. <laughs> Sorry, um, and uh, 
so we did, we all featured some of those, and that was fun. And uh, if you go out to either one of our sites, you can find links to all. I mean, Doctor Fate and Satana, and just tons and tons of different characters were involved. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I like. I generally uh, enjoy those team ups that Frank puts together because they're very simple. You know, like they're not too. You know, like you got to do this and then this. It's like here, here's the image. We're all going to do it on that day. And and plus, I had never run the secret files page of. You know, and I'm always amazed that there's anything left for me to run. Trying <laughs> <laughs> after like another three thousand posts or whatever it is that I've done, but uh, he managed to find something. You know, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is perfect. And then uh, I gotta mention because two two of our listeners are gave me the heads up on this Lee Novak and Chris Mounts uh, vibe, my buddy vibe from Justice League Detroit made his way into DC Nation the, the animated cartoon. Now I actually haven't seen the whole thing yet. I've only seen the two little bumper trailers, and I was like, I've watched him so many times, it's sick. And he got mentioned in the the last issue of Justice League. I know. Vibe is good exploding. Month. It was Vibe Month at the DC. <laughs> they're doing yes, zero month. They're going to do Vibe Month. If you want to have some fun, folks, go back uh, to April 1st, April Fool's Day. It must have been 2009 or something like that. Anyway, Google Vibe Rebirth, and there's this whole thing that me and a few other bloggers did. We did an April Fool's Day joke about Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Skyver doing a Vibe Rebirth. So. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Actually, there's one thing I wanted to mention uh, just before we get rolling, just as a self-aggrandizement moment. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a website um, called Geekadelphia, which is you know pretty much what it sounds like. It's like celebrating all like geek culture in the greater Philadelphia area. And uh, those guys have been like an, an early booster of um, our my comic trip, Ace Kill, where we did right from the get-go. They did a nice review of us, did an interview with me. They've been really great. Anyway... They have a thing every year called the Geek Awards, and it's like a big – like they actually have like a black tie dinner to give them out, and it's held at the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philadelphia, which is a big thing. So anyway, uh, I got nominated for Comic Book Writer of the Year, and my partner Dan O'Connor got nominated for Comic Book Artist of the Year. That's awesome. For our work on Ace Kilroy, and so we will find out on August 17th, which is the day after my birthday, so I think the uh, – the sentiment vote will be with me. Um, so, but the ceremony, yeah, the ceremony is August 17th, so uh, we're going to get to go, and it will be very exciting. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun, you know. It's, I, it's, um, it, I feel good about myself in that I went out running the other day, and mm-hmm. on my phone, my email pops up that, that you know, about not being nominated, but it only showed Dan being nominated, and I was genuinely happy for him. Like, I wasn't at all jealous that I didn't get nominated. I was like, oh, great, good for Dan. I was like, oh, good, gets attention for Ace Killery, good for Dan, he deserves it. I was totally just 100% happy for him. And then I got home, and I saw the second email that I had gotten nominated. And I was like, oh, it's even better. But, <laughs> but, but, ne- but nevertheless, dur- during, that, during that jog back, I was like, I was just genuinely happy for Dan. <laughs> I wasn't jealous. So. That just shows that you're a good person. It is. So, yeah, we're very <laughs> – yeah, Can we go online and vote for you, or is it a no, affiliate? No, no, the, the people who do Geekadelphia vote. So okay. uh, I'm up against uh, two other guys. One guy who I'm, uh, does the mice. Uh, br- I'm blanking on his name. I apologize. He does the mice Templar book for Image. Oh, he okay. Writes, he writes that because he's from this area. So yeah. that's I'm I'm perfecting my. Oh, I'm happy to lose the mice Templar face. Yeah, <laughs> it's so. a that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, wow. But but still, dude, that's incredible that you got nominated. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we're very excited. It's nice. It's you know, it's always nice to get to get mentioned because sometimes you feel like, oh, is anybody reading this thing? You know, because you don't know. But yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, that makes us feel really good. And I'm looking forward to like going to like a ceremony, and you know, that ought to be a blast. So. 
You have to dress up. I have to dress up. You know, I'll have to wear my nicest Aquaman T-shirt that I can find. Well, uh, folks, we are going to start discussing the new 52, issues number 10 of Aquaman and the Fury of Firestorm, the nuclear man. And we're going to start off with uh, that guy that talks to fish. Although he he doesn't talk to any fish in this issue. What the hell? No. There's a lot of fish talking in this series. Um, Aquaman number 10 is Blood Feud. Well, the cover story is Blood Feud, but the name of the story is actually The Others, Chapter 4. It's, of course, by Jeff Johns, Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, Rod Reese, and we've got Andy Lanning also helping out on the inks. Um, like I said, we're going to kind of blaze through this a little bit because I feel like you've all read it by now. You know, there's no point in me sort of going over this in detail. But it opens with another one of the others, the operative, who is doing like a John McClane diehard thing where he's wandering through the uh, like an air duct. And he's talking to somebody on his headset. We don't know who that is. He lands in this room, and we see clearly that it is like Black Manta's headquarters because he's got um, spare manta heads sitting around. And there's like a tank with an eel in it, all kinds of creepy. There's like a there's a hook, which clearly looks like Aquaman's old hook hand. Um, there's like a lantern. There's a thing from the Titanic. And there's a suit. There's a couple of diving suits back there, too. One of the, that's scavenger suit. One it? of them looks just like scavenger suit. Yeah. And, yeah. and the scavenger makes an appearance as like a hologram in this issue, this month's issue of Justice League. So I have to think that that is Jeff Johns tipping his hand that the scavenger is going to be the villain that he brings back that he was talking about earlier. Um, but anyway, the operative try and tries and uh, tries to break into Manta's computer to find out what his plan is, but everything is all locked up. So operative then figures, oh, maybe there's maybe the information somewhere else, and he looks inside of a safe by sort of like cracking it open with this. That um, I don't know what it is. It looks like a key of some sort that he's got, but it's clearly like his his artifact that uh, you know all the others own. They each have like different artifacts. So he breaks open the safe, finds this book, starts reading about it. A bunch of Manas goons start chasing him. Um, he jumps out of the building, which is at, like thirty stories up. He just jumps clear out into the sky. He gets grabbed by a rope line, by a zip line, by a um, near uh, passing by plane. He gets dragged in, and we see the inside of this plane is like this huge, you know, there's like a library and a fireplace, and I mean, it's, you know, it's not just a plane, it's like a flying, you know, flying house, basically. Um, the operative takes his mask off, and we see that it's a, like a very old guy, uh, much older than you would have expect, and then we meet the person he's talking to, which is his grandson, because he refers to the operative as grandpa. They talk a little bit about, uh, we have to find Aquaman. But before we get to that, we find uh, Mira talking to Shin. Um, Mira is sort of like, I don't trust you. Shin starts planting seeds of doubt, and Mira saying, well, you know, you may not believe me, but, uh, you know, your husband didn't tell you about the operatives. He didn't tell you about uh, the others. He didn't tell you about Yawara. And, of course, that's, you know, Mira doesn't take too kindly to that. Um, We then catch up with Aquaman and Manu who are fighting. And the first shot we see of them is this absolutely gorgeous two-page spread of Aquaman punching Mana, and it is like this, uh, the, the phrase I used on the Aquaman trine was, this was Ivan Reese and Prado and, Re- and Rod Reese swinging for the fences and they knocked the ball to the parking <laughs> lot. You know? I mean, this is just a stunning two-page piece. Um, it's got all this detail in it, but yet it's got it's got the right amount of depth and the right amount of focus, and um it's just a gorgeous piece. Whoever owns this, you know, whoever ends up owning this original is going to have, like, one of the great Aquaman pieces. These guys, it seems like every issue, these guys find one moment to just 
you know, deliver yet another incredibly iconic shot. And this is, this is, I remember again, like, like I did a couple issues ago with Aquaman tugging the, the boat. Mm-hmm. I opened this one and I just was like, Ugh. you know, like, oh my <laughs> God, this is beautiful. What, what exactly did you do? Oh, you heard what I said. So anyway, oh. uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> there you go. Give the fans what they want. So, um, Aquaman and Mana continue to fight. Um, Yuara shows up with your favorite prisoner of war. Um, not my favorite. Everybody's, everybody's favorite. favorite. Um, I was I was actually going to say I can't believe it took this you know more than half the comic for the star of the book to show up. <laughs> so um, in the middle of their fight, we do a flashback, and it's a dual flashback. We see um, Aquaman's father dying of the heart attack after the fight he had with Manta. We see them in the hospital together. We see that um, Aquaman's father whispers something in his son's ear. We don't know what that is, but it's, it's obviously something important because he says like, "You know, just listen, son, please." And then we hear him. Whis- we see him whisper something. Rosebud. Rosebud. Um, you will be the star of the new 52. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> don't invest in OMAC. And then uh, we have the, the other flashback, which is Aquaman climbing aboard Mana's fishing boat to extract revenge. He gets shot in the shoulder by like a little harpoon gun, turns around, grabs the throat of the guy who he assumes is Manta. And as we see, basically cracks the guy's neck. Um, mm-hmm. There's a panel of you see him going in. There's a little crack sound effect. But we turned, we, it reveals that it's not Manta, it's Manta's elderly father. Manta shows up just in time to see this. Of course, he's a little upset. Uh, and this is Shin explaining all this to, to Mira. Um, Aquaman and Manta continue the fight. Manta manages to steal the, uh, the little artifact of Yawara's using his harpoon gun. He just yanks it right off of her neck. He grabs it. It looks like a little pearl of some sort. He uses it to teleport away of which he pops up in Shin's house. And this issue ends with him, Mira, and Shin all in the same room. And next, it says, next, The Secret of Shin, <laughs> which I believe is one of the Karate Kid sequels, but I'm not sure. Uh, it could have been, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's the end of the issue. That's the end of I, I, number 10. I think it's fair to note where Manta and Shin are talking. I mean, they're both very calmly saying each other's names. Yes. It's, there's no, there's no yes, yelling, right. so it's Shin, almost like Manta. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're in collusion. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, so anyway, that's the end of the that's the end of the issue. Uh, you know, I find I find I say the same thing every every, every issue here. It's really good. <laughs> Just a lot of fun. Story barrels along at a good pace. Um, I, I do feel that maybe at this point, Aquaman is getting a little lost in terms of like how much space he gets in his own book. But but this is clearly a story. They're introducing these new characters. That's just going to happen. And so you know. It's perfectly fine when you're when you're doing this to bring in all these new supporting characters, and I'm enjoying the storyline. I also look forward to the next, you know, whatever the next storyline is, where where presumably Aquaman will take a little more of center stage. But um, getting here is getting to the end of this is, is a lot of fun, and I, the flashbacks are nice. And like I said the artwork is, as always, just, just top notch. Yeah, I didn't even think about the fact that Aquaman didn't play as big a role. I counted up; yeah, the operative got eight pages. Right. I mean, there's wow. just, you just got a lot of... I mean, in this one, in, 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 in the current Aquaman series, you've got Aquaman, Mira, Shin, Black Mana, and five operatives. That's, you know, yeah. that's a lot of characters to juggle, so... By the way, the, the one thing that happened off-panel here was that um, Dr. Midnight called the operative, and he wants his mask back. <laughs> I love um, Dr. Midnight. Another great character. He's, oh, he's awesome. Every incarnation. And I agree with everything Rob said. It's a gorgeous book. I mean, you, we say it every time. It really is probably the best-looking book they're DC's killing producing. It. They're just absolutely killing it, those guys. Yep. And um, I noticed a couple of things in here. It sounds like Prisoner of War is dying. 
Because yes. Yarwaro says, you're lucky to be alive. And he just goes, uh, I... And she goes, and he's bleeding, and she goes, or not, I see. Yeah. And she didn't care, and she's like, let's go help Aquaman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, after last issue, I was convinced Shin was lying about Aquaman killing um, Black Man's dad. Right. But now I thought the whole thing was, now that they, they bothered to draw out um, flashbacks, I right. figure it's got to. It's clearly that, that's really happened, because, yeah. yeah. And I love that they did the flashbacks again in that style we really like, where instead of using a heavy pencil and, a, and black ink, it's it's moon, mainly color hold with a little bit of like brown penciling, if you will. Yeah, it's a little washed out. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. great. So these guys are just these guys are at the top of their game. They are just kicking it. Uh, you know, uh, every, it's the whole every team. Month. Yeah, the whole team. I mean, the whole team. Colorists, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, they are they are doing. I I would love to own that double page spread. I really would, but I'm not. Uh, vastly wealthy, <laughs> so someone will have to own it, and then I will just steal it from them. You know where uh, Aquaman had to rip his shirt off? It reminds me of in every superhero movie. If the if the superhero like you saw Avengers, yes, okay. In every superhero movie, every hero has to rip their mask. Yeah, off I know. <laughs> you gotta, so you can see the actor's the face. Actor. We paid for Chris Evans. We're going to use him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of Iron Man, everybody's masks were off, you yeah. know, for whatever reason. And uh, so Iron Man, I mean, Aquaman here, it's almost like, well, I don't have a mask, so I'll just rip my shirt off at the climactic battle. <laughs> Very Kirk the, moment. Uh, Matthew McConaughey of the comic book world. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and what happened here where Aquaman killed uh, Mana's dad, it, it's not that horrifying to me. Because, I mean, it's sad that the man died, but, I mean, it's, it's not like, oh, my gosh, he killed his dad. Like, I totally get why he was going to kill Manta. Yeah, I mean, the guy did stick a harpoon in his shoulder. It, yeah. It's not like he just walked onto the boat and strangled the first guy he found. Right. He was defending himself to a certain extent. But, yeah, and, you know, it ties these two characters together. And, you know, uh, as we mentioned in a previous show, like much more, um, you know, much more, has a much more entwined than they ever were. Because, you know, for years it was just Manta hated Aquaman just because he sort of hated him for no real good reason. Um, but here he's binding them together. Clearly there's no – I've said this on the Shrine before. People have argued with me, but I – think they're wrong that there's clearly no there's no arthur jr in this universe and they do not have a son they just don't i mean there's no way that this, this if the son has not come up yet um so i just figured that john's is flipping the dynamic where this is what ties them irrevocably together is the murder of sort of each other's fathers as opposed to the, the murder of the son you know so well the next smart dramatic element would be to have mary get pregnant they could do that. Then they still could do that. You know, they still yep. could do that. But it's, you know, I, I, as much as I came to, I mean, I kind of grew up with it. I was only six when they did it, the, the murder of Arthur Jr. It, 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 it's part of the character's history, and it added a dynamic that no other character had. But I also also don't want to see it repeated. I don't want to yeah. see them have a son just to kill him off. That just, it's so dark that, you know, I'm happy that, you know, here's the chance to, to, to start over and, um, I don't, I don't want to see it repeated. Understood. I got one last question. Um, this is something that's been bugging me. The operative? Yeah. Why has he got a big letter I on his forehead? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, thought there was, I thought there was just something that I missed. No, not as far as I know. I, I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're all numbered or something, the, op- the others. They call them one, two, three or something. I don't know. Right. He's operative one. Maybe Yuara has some, something written somewhere that we don't know about just yet. Maybe Aquaman will tell us because clearly he's, he's done some searching. I was going to say, he, he would have seen that tattoo. Yeah, he's done some exploring, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Good for him. Good on you, Arthur. <laughs> this is going to make a great action figure set when they're all done. The, the, the others set. 
I will buy the Prisoner of War. Absolutely. Make it a set check. Right. So um, I'll buy Prisoner of War. So is <laughs> next issue the conclusion, or does it go to twelve? No, I think next one's the last one because I think they said it was a five-part story, and this is part four. So I think it's the next because I think twelve is the zero issue, and they're going to do something else, which is the search for Atlantis thing. I think. I think they have a they have a twelve. Do they? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's getting a 12, and then it goes to zero, I think. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's 12 right. would be August. That's right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't okay. Know. We'll find out. All right. Well, um, what's the zero issue? What's the story on that That one? is That is something involving Atlantis. I mean, like I said, I, like, I really do try and avoid that stuff. I really don't want to know. I just want to get in and read it. And it's, sometimes it's hard because we talk about it on the shrine, which is the stuff I let Joe do. You're, you're like the worst fanboy. <laughs> I mean, I applaud you for your crazy, scared, you know, spoilerishness. But like, for the guy who's running the Aquaman show, like, you're really uninformed. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know what's going on on my own blog. You're one of these days, you're like, Aquaman is a monthly comic coming out. Oh my god, that's fantastic! It's awesome. When did that start? All right, uh, good issue. Um, I. I'm starting to feel like maybe the storyline is not too long because it's all good, but this issue, it did kind of feel like it was, um, I'm, I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to be negative because I really liked it, but it did feel sort of not a filler issue, but just a, a dragging it out sort of thing. Hmm. Uh, and that's not even a nice way to say it either. Like, see, you don't watch Doctor Who, but a reference to Doctor Who would be that they used to do four parts stories all the time, mm. and you always knew that the third episode, you didn't have to watch it. Oh, okay. Part three was the filler one. It, it, it's, it's not filler, it's just it doesn't progress the story okay. as much. I mean, here we got to see the backstory on Black Mana, but Shin already told us last issue. You know, right, so it's we're sort seeing of like, what he's already told us. That's true, that's a good point. I didn't think yeah, if that. you hadn't read this issue, unless the operative plays a really, really important role here later on, um, you, you, you could read number 11 without reading this issue. Yeah, that's true. Now, I feel like I'm a better person for having read it because <laughs> it's that damn good. I'm a better person for having seen that double plate splash. Exactly. But it's um, – so th- this if it is a five-part story, it probably could have been four, right. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, ready to move on? Yeah, absolutely. Time to go to Firestorm. Yay. The Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Men, number 10 by Ethan Van Skyver and Joe Harris were our plotters. And then we got um, – as I flip to the page, here we go. Written, well, it was written by Joe Harris. Okay. So it's plotted by them, written by Joe Harris, penciled by Yildre Sinar, and Yay. inked by... Yay, Yildre! Yay for everyone. And then inked by our new inker, our new regular inker, Marlo Alquiza. Uh, I want to say Marlo helped the last issue some. I think him, Marlo and Norm both did the last issue, but this one's pure Marlo. And welcome aboard, Marlo. It's some gorgeous stuff. Um, and then, of course, Firestorm created by Jerry Conway and Al Milner. <laughs> Gotta get that in every time. I am going to get it in every single time. So, uh, this issue is called Power Application. And um, it's a split story. You're dealing with Jason and um, Ronnie. And, and when I say Ronnie, you're actually dealing mostly with Pozar, who's with Ronnie. That's Mikhail Arkadin, the Russian Firestorm. So, Ronnie and uh, Mikhail are on a cargo ship. Uh, and they are hiding in the hold, basically, if you will. And they are on their way to... Eventually, they're going to get to India. I'm trying to remember if that's actually their destination. Uh, they're out in the Arabian Sea. And, yeah, because they're, they're heading towards Pakistan. And it starts off, and, and I find that 
the opening very interesting in that Mikhail is talking to his contact back in Russia, a guy named Zastrow, which I'm so glad they gave the guy named Zastrow because that's a old Firestorm uh, Russian guy. Okay. So real, real bad, evil guy. He was a uh, in, in the pre New Fifty Two. He was this mean, mean, mean Russian agent, just horrible guy. So I'm glad that they gave his little Boris Yeltsin kind of contact that name. So. And it, the interesting thing about it is that you're seeing some footage from last issue where Jason's fighting Omac and they form the new creature Wraith uh, or Wrath. The thing is that I want to point out to the readers, as you look at it, the view you're looking at is through Firehawk's eyes, which is the interesting thing. So the Russian people have videotaped or recorded the, what happened last issue through her eyes. So that tells me something. Something's up there. How they got her ocular footage, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm wondering, if, do they have a, a much stronger control of the Firestorm protocols than we were led to believe? I like that little, little shot there of Batman and Booster Gold standing there, their legs astride. It's a very dramatic pose. Because they did nothing last time. You know, everyone else is saving the day, and they're like, let's do a Google search on Firehawk. Anyway, so um, you get a quick recap of last issue. Um, Pozar demonstrates how much of a badass he is, and there's your kick to the groin. He just totally disintegrates somebody. <laughs> Always get that in the beginning of Firestorm. It's great. I love it. I, I look forward to it. Every issue of Firestorm, I'm like, oh, something horrible is going to happen right out of the gate. What is look, oh, there it is. I look forward to the kick to the groin. Yep. So, um, and then a few pages in, we see Ronnie, and he is just a mess. He, he's Again, he's hiding in one of the holds of the ship, and he's just he's wrapped up in a blanket. He's... he's he looks totally disheveled, and he's having a really hard time. And I like Poser's comment to him. He says, fear not, boy. There will be killing soon. <laughs> Poser's bad news. Yeah, he started off as like a – you kind of wondered if he was bad news or was actually helping them. And now it's pretty clear that he's, he's bad news. Then we switch back to Jason, and he is in the quantum field. Him and uh, Firehawk, they disappear at the end of last issue after they merged into Wrath. And they uh, – after they merged into Wrath and then separated, they disappeared. And now we find out they're in the quantum field. And there's this really cool shot of Jason looking at the quantum field. And in the quantum energy, almost like in, in the Kirby crackle of the quantum energy, you can see Professor Stein's face. Yes. I, I, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw it. I was like, oh, Shag's going to love this. Oh, my gosh. I was screaming. I mean, it's the second time we've seen Professor now. But I was just doing cartwheels and handstands. Wow. I did Screaming I, and, hand, and cartwheels. I made I made those Olympic those mere Olympic athletes. <laughs> I, I was I was showing them up. Anyway, so Jason realizes it's Professor Stein as well, and there's a moment there with Jason and the new Firehawk in the quantum field, and she's basically saying we got to go, and he's like, no, Professor's here, and then he sees the Fury symbol, which is this question this this symbol that we don't know what it means or is supposed to represent, but we know it represents Fury, which is that merged being between Ronnie and Jason, and it shows up in the quantum field, which is bad bad mojo. So they get out of there. And oddly enough, they were, you know, last issue, they were in Paris when they became Wrath. They go into the quantum field, and now when they came back out of the quantum field, they're in Russia. So apparently the quantum field, I guess, is, you know, has a way of teleporting you wherever it feels you need to go. Uh, we get some more of Poser and Ronnie, and there's, there's some serious info dump here. And honestly, I think it's kind of, it's been needed. So this is good. I'm glad they did this. They talk about how Ronnie and Jason have a Firestorm power set that's intended for one person, but it's spread across the two of them. And so they talk about that some, and then Pozar reveals some information about how some Firestorms 
are able to manifest additional powers all on their own. And he starts goading uh, Ronnie, basically saying that, you know, he's, he's worthless and he's not going to be able to cut it now and all this. And Ronnie gets angry and you start to see he starts manifesting a new power. Where his, He lost his left hand a few issues ago and you start to see energy swirling around there as if it's going to form a new hand or it's going to be some sort of awesome power. So it's a uh, poser is pulling the trick, the, the reverse psychology trick where you make someone feel worthless to get them to step up. So Ronnie's doing that. They built, uh, and Poser's building a detector to find rogue firestorms. And um, yeah, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do one story at a time. Yeah, well, I, 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 don't, I didn't mean to keep cutting back and forth. Uh, I was going to do just one or the other. So I'll just finish up the, the Jason and Firehawk story, and then we'll do the other one. So Jason and Firehawk are in Russia. They find out that um, there is probably a rogue firestorm nearby. They've left behind a clue. And so they're guessing that the rogue firestorm is going to be attacking something in Russia. So they go to investigate that, and I believe that is the last time we see Jason and Firehawk this issue. Yes, it is. So um, they're clearly they're, they're on the trail of some more uh, rogue firestorms, and the trail leads to Russia, hmm. which sort of informs the next scene. Pozar is confronted by a new character, uh, and I'm going to pronounce this as best as I can. I even consulted my good friend Rob on how this, to do this because I'm so bad at pronouncing words. We have decided that we're going to call her Roxashi. She is the Indian Firestorm, and she looks so freaking cool. She's blue. She's got the, the whole sort of Shiva thing going on where she's got the six arms, but four of them are the nuclear energy behind her. Um, she's rocking the Firestorm half shirt, which I never even considered and realized could be so sexy. Um, you know, she, she looks awesome. She really does. And so she confronts Poser, and they have like a little tete-a-tete there, and... She says something interesting. She mentions that uh, – first she starts talking about the, the rogue firestorm. She mentions that she's going to basically kill Poser, claiming he's a rogue firestorm. And says that uh, She mentions Ashra Khan, who we have found out is sort of the leader of the rogue firestorms. She, she senses something. She, she notices – she realizes through, the, through her power that Pozar – she claims he is the father of the rogue firestorms. <laughs> I know. She says they are one in the same. And then uh, he's basically he, – he denies it and he says he's the hunter of the rogues. And so you're starting to wonder, wait a minute, maybe Poser is bad news. Maybe he's controlling all the, the Firestorm rogues. Heck, maybe he is Astra Khan himself. I don't know. You know, this is my speculation here. Um, but clearly there's a lot more going on with Poser than we thought. And then the last couple panels here is Ronnie shows up. His new abilities have kicked in. He's grown himself what appears to be a new energy hand and a new costume. His costume looks somewhat of a hybrid between his, his current-day red costume and the classic Firestorm costume, except where it would be yellow, it's black. And uh, he looks pretty badass, i got to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's sort of, like, coming into his own. He basically, he, he, demand, he like, sort of takes charge. He tells uh, Roxashi that she's going to tell him everything she knows about Ashra Khan, and Posar is going to tell him uh, about his connection. And Pozar is like, I, as you wish, Ronnie, but I warn you, you will not enjoy the tale. And, uh, got a next career is- in audiobooks. I tell you, next issue, Showdown. So that is that issue in a uh, in summary. So I would say some of the you know, the most interesting things here, there are some plot developments here. I mean, they do sort of, as I said, the info dump, which was needed, gives us some more information about how the Firestorm protocols work and how, about Ronnie and Jason definitely having one Firestorm's power spread across them. 
and also how they can take that power and move forward. So that was all good information. We kind of needed that. We, in order to keep the story going, we needed it. We needed that jump. And we got to see this rock saw she character. We got to see Fireheart, which are cool. Um, there's been some comments on my site from some folks that I got me thinking, you know, I'll use the example of Rakshashi and Firehawk, both very interesting looking characters. I really wish we had time to dive in more and learn more about them. Like, even though Firehawk's been around two and a half, three issues now, we really don't know anything about her, which is kind of sad because I really dig her. Everything I've seen, I've really liked. And I realize they're really keeping the pace up. I mean, it is super snappy pace. So it's kind of hard to take a break and spend five, six pages exploring her. But uh, I, I wish we had the opportunity. You know, it's, it's almost like uh, this is where a Secret Files would come in great. <laughs> you know, seriously. Or, or some side book where you'd get a five or six page story just about Firehawk so you kind of learn what's going on with her. I'd read or that. Rocks- what's that? I'd read that. Oh, heck yeah. Or Roxashi. I'd love to learn more about her. Or, or maybe this is an opportunity where DC could do. You know, some digital-only stuff, you know? That's, sorry, that just occurred to me. That would be awesome if they did, like, for more, pick up the five-page digital comic, you know, Firehawk, Birth of a Hero or something, you know? Look at you. You got the title ready and everything. <laughs> yeah, all, it's all coming, man. Ideas are flowing. <laughs> I'm in marketing mode. Um, there's, I really I, – I enjoyed this issue. Um, I, I thought Yildare did a really nice job. He's got some great layouts here. Um, I think Marlo really suits him. Um, I mean, we've talked about before, we love Yildare's own inking, and we wish that's what we had, and it's clearly not going to happen. So if I can't have Yildare inking his own stuff, I'm perfectly happy to have Marlowe inking his stuff. I think he does a really nice job. Yeah, it's funny. He, um, he, uh, he kind of cartoonifies the work a little bit, and it's not a, that's not intended as a criticism, but it was just an interesting that you can have uh, Yildare as a penciler and yet have a very different look. Um, you know, between what it looked like when he did it himself and sort of coloring it himself, and then when Marlowe's doing it. In fact, there's a panel here. I think it's page. Uh, I think it's page nine. It's the the shot of um, it ended with, with them where they sort of slam into each other in the forest, and mm-hmm. the last shot of Firehawk looking pissed, and, yeah. and, and Jason goes, "I can explain." <clears throat> Her face looks al- it looks almost like the work of Jeff Smith from Bone. Like oh, it does. Firehawk looks like Thorn. I think that was that girl's, that was a girl's name in that book, Thorn. I think I've never actually read Bone, but I'm familiar oh, okay. with the character. Yeah, but that's what it looks like. She, it, it looks almost like Jeff Smith, and that's—I mean—that totally is a compliment. I love Jeff Smith's work, but it's—it's it's just amazing to me that you can get that from Ilderay stuff when Ilderay stuff in the beginning looked very kind of edgy. I don't hate to use that term, but you know what I mean—just kind of like scratchy and more realistic. And then this kind of goes the other way, and yet it's still the same penciler. So uh, I agree with what you just said about, you know, yeah, I would sort of prefer Ilderay to do the whole book himself. But if that's not possible, this is a nice kind of like way to do it, to go to go back, go the other way and, and make it a little more cartoony looking. So that last panel, I love. I just that I just love that face that uh, they did on her. Oh, it's perfect. I, I was thinking Kevin McGuire, but definitely it's a it's a Jeff Smith face, too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, I had heard that rather than saying cartoony, I had heard someone say that it had a sort of an animated series look. Yeah. You well, know, like, yeah, I would argue that. Which is, you know, a more adult way of saying cartoon, I guess. But um, And the colors, I will say that Hi-Fi is just amazing colors. There's this one panel where Ronnie, it, it, may, it reminds me of an old Aquaman. Story. Ronnie has had enough of your shit is what this is. And uh, forgive the language. And he grabs Pozar by the throat. And he, he's just bare-chested Ronnie. And his, and his 
decapitated hand, or is no, I guess not decapitated. Uh, is it? <laughs> it's cut off hand. Whatever. It's just swirling with energy, and it's all this red and green energy swirling around his hand, and it just looks so cool. So they uh, they do an amputated. That's the word I was trying to say, not decapitated. <laughs> but uh, makes for a just great great looking book. So um, I'm looking forward to. Uh, where this story is going, it looks like it's going to conclude probably around issue twelve, the big story arc. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've always said about Firestorm is that it is not a uh, it's not a story arc; it's a journey. It's not a six issue storyline, and you, you get reset back to whatever the norm is. Like we talked about with Aquaman, how Aquaman, you know, the norm is he lives in the lighthouse with Mara. They have a dog. They go on adventures. The adventure gets resolved. They come home to the lighthouse. They have their dog. You know, it's kind of the he's been feeding that dog lately since they've been gone. Well, it's probably only been like a day, but, you know. What dog needs food? Dog catches fish. But um, his finny friends, Aquaman commends, commands his finny friends to commit suicide every couple of days and give the dog fish. Um, Talk about but, a five-page uh, digital feature. Whoa. <laughs> Salty, the meal. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's um, – so that's that reset point for Aquaman every few issues, every storyline. Well, Firestorm doesn't have that. Firestorom, right, one long there thing, is, yeah. Yeah, there is no status quo. It's all about the journey, and I kind of dig that. But I am, I am getting to the point where I want some sort of, you know, ending point, and I think that's what number twelve is going to give us. Right. So it, it 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 feels like it's about time. It's heading that way. So I'm excited about that issue zero, folks. If you have not seen the stuff for issue zero, it looks like a whole new deal. Uh, looks like we may even have a new firestorm. I'm not sure. Um, go out, check out the the solicitations. Please pre-order issue number zero. Uh, if we can tell your local comic shops to pre-order number zero and they'll order enough, co- they'll order a lot of copies. My, my thought is if we can tell DC that we, with our wallets, if we can tell DC with our wallets that we want a Firestorm monthly comic, that'll send a strong message because, I mean, we all, honestly, we all know the sales aren't, haven't been that hot. And, you know, sooner or later they're going to have to make another wave of cancellations. And I hope Firestorm will, will dodge that. I certainly do. But the best way to help ensure that is to help sell the book. So I'd ask everyone, please pre-order the issue so that comic shops will order a lot of copies, and that will send a message to DC that we want Firestorm. So I mean, You could argue that, that if you're worried about cancellation, it's clearly not imminent that they're doing a zero issue at all. I would think if they were getting ready to scuttle this book, they wouldn't be bothering with this big you know, line-wide zero thing. I think they would just be like, ah, no, we're never going to do that for Firestorm. We're just going to cancel it. So I think it seems like it's got some life left in it. Oh, I agree. It's definitely not. Yeah, it's it's – but – it is fair to say that it's not one of their better-selling right. books. Yeah. And sooner or later, they will have to go through another wave of cancellations. It might be six months from now. I don't know. <laughs> you, just and, and I don't keep, have... you just can't keep canceling OMAC. <laughs> and, and I want to be perfectly clear. I don't have any inside information here, folks. This is not like someone contacted me and told me Firestorm's in trouble. That's not at all. This is just me. This is me looking at the numbers, and I have a background in marketing and sales, and I just – if we want to ensure the success of the continued history of this book, let's – Buy a lot of issues. I'd say the same thing for Aquaman, but it's selling a gazillion freaking copies. Woo! So uh, crazy. But so uh, I enjoyed this issue. I did overall. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, more. All right. I think that's going to cool. be right. I think it's going to be it for our number 10s, I would guess. I mean, I guess it's worth mentioning just very brief, very, very briefly. Aquaman did appear in Justice League number 10. Um, there was a reference to the Scavenger. And we did see our first appearance of the new 52 Volko. He refers to this guy who kind of looks like Volko, though he's not as sort of portly, and he's wearing, like, a trench coat. 
So that, that there was kind of some big things there. I, I kind of glossed over them in, in the recap for that book just because there was some craziness at home, and I didn't get a chance to delve into it the way I wanted to. Um, but there was, you know, a couple of significant things regarding Aquaman in Justice League. So uh, Jeff Johns is slowly bringing in the other elements of Aquaman's world here. You know, from the old world, you got Volko and you got Scavenger. So uh, who knows what's next? Rodan. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, I think it's Rodan, actually. Rodan would oh, be okay. the giant guy that Godzilla fought. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess say I think that's going to take a that's going to wrap up. We're looking at number tens, right, Shank? Yep. Okay. We're in the, obviously, on the other side of the break, we're going to do listener feedback. Um, but in the meantime, uh, enjoy these clips of real comic book fans and their experiences uh, reading comics, and uh, we'll catch you in a minute. Story. I try always to contact the most highly qualified experts on the subject, so let's talk to some experts on comic books. And your name, son? Bernie Kenner. And how old are you, Bernie? Fifteen. Fifteen. And you read comic books, too, yes. don't you? Do they bother you in any way? At first they did. How'd they bother you? Well, it was bad dreams at night. Mm-hmm. used to talk in my sleep. used to talk in your sleep? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell me about some of the stories you've read in comic I read books. this one about this lady. She always liked diamonds, so she used to date these men and used to buy her diamonds, and then she killed them. The my, I, I didn't follow you. The men would buy her diamonds? Diamonds, and then she used to take them home and kill them and mm-hmm. bury them in the basement. This kept going on for about a year, and the basement's all full of graves. There's only room for one more grave. So she says to herself, I want the richest man in town to buy me a diamond, and then I could kill him. So she went into this jewelry store and met this man, and they started dating each other. So the man bought the diamond, and they went home. Then she put a knife on him, but the man took it away and killed him. And they went downstairs, and the man buried her. And then he came upstairs, and he said to himself, You see, darling, I'm not a collector of diamonds, but of hands. And he, he cut off her hands. That made you pretty sick. Yes. <laughs> I can believe that. All right, Bernie, thanks a lot. You're welcome. You want to give me your name, son? David Freeman. And how old are you? Eleven. Tell me how comic books make you feel, Dave. But it'll make me feel too good. For a couple of times, you better come book I chew up. All right, folks, we're back from break, and now it's time for listeners' feedback. All right, and we've got feedback from two different episodes to cover this time. We've got feedback from episode 21, which was our recaps of the issue number nines, and issue 22, or episode 22, which was that fantastic interview you did. Yes, with Serena Irwin, voice of Mira from Brave and the Bold. She's such a sweetheart. I, I really enjoyed talking to her. Um, that was that was so much fun. I would love to do like a longer form talk with her if I ever had the chance because she was she was just so sweet. Um, we got one comment f- about that episode from uh, Diablo Frankie, and re- referring to the fact that I kept calling that episode of Aquaman Aquaman's excellent adventure, when of course it's not. It's Bill and Ted's. It's it's Aquaman's. <laughs> I did it again. There it is. It, it's not Aquaman's excellent adventure. It's Aquaman's outrageous adventure. And I kept calling it excellent adventure. So Diablo Frank sort of fills in for me here and says, I'm sure Bill and Ted are to blame for the episode title mix-up. They should have let you climb into the phone booth to fix it. Yes, I would have <laughs> appreciated that. That would have been great. <laughs> well, also over on the Aquaman Shrine uh, site, we got some comments on other uh, on episode 21. Um, Morris Mitchell said, great podcast. It sounds like the 52 backstory of Black Mana makes a lot of sense. So far, so good. And he says, the intro music is amazing. I, ah, may, have yes. it, I may have to make it my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's, was it Michael? Oh, Michael, shoot, Kohler. Michael Kohler. Thank you. Who, who put that together for Cartoon Network. It's a great it's, piece. It's amazing, yeah. 
Um, now, we do have a ton of feedback here, folks, so we're going to blaze through some of this. Uh, got a nice, very nice comment from Daniel Cynical Adams. Thank you very much for that. Over on Fire... Composer of our themes, our, our closing themes. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Should, and the, his band, The Bad Mamma Jammas, yeah. who wrote the closing theme for this and wrote the themes for the Who's Who episodes. Yes. Which are, I never tire of hearing that. I, I can't tell you. I, I, I just get happy listening to it. So, <laughs> anyway, over on Firestorm Fan, I uh, had quite the discussion uh, <laughs> between a lot of my great match heads. I mean, aston- astonishing. Luke and Frank and Keith going back and forth with um, our buddy Martin Stein, RIP, and just going back and forth, back and forth about uh, the issue number nines and sales. It was amazing. So great feedback, guys. That, that's the place to be, guys. Forget that Aquaman Shrine site. Go over to Firestorm. Leave some comments over there because it's hopping. Um, I'm just letting that go. I know you were. Just I'm going to pick out a couple of things here. Frank, I, I had mentioned how much awesome Prisoner of War is and how after issue zero, Aquaman's going to be rebranded as uh, the Mera <laughs> and um, Prisoner of War monthly book. Anyway, I, yeah, I that talked. That's a very smooth title there. <laughs> I... I said that, uh, you know, he's sort of like Ragman in that he calls on spirits of, you know, for power and stuff like that. And Frank said, I'd be perfectly happy with Prisoner of War being the new Ragman if the old Ragman could come back as the Skid Row superhero instead of a poorly tailored Ghost Rider. That <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, ouch. I liked the uh, poorly tailored Ghost Rider Ragman. Thank you very much. And then Frank had some suggestions here. And quite frankly, some of these are obscene um, for... What we should, what fans of the Fire and Water podcast should be called? We talked about, you know, jokingly steamers or steamies at one point, but those just sound dirty. He goes on to talk about the sultry ones. Seems a tad bit Showtime After Dark. The Torrids is outright Skinamax. Broilers is Two Food Network. Muggies sounds like Crime Victims. The Oppressors sounds like Mega City One judges who catch the muggers. Stifflers is probably an American Pie fan club reference. Sizzlers, Muckies, the Sweltery. I think a lot of yeah. these were, were Frank's attempt just to put up the straw man just to knock them down. Yeah, so um, I think we're going to officially go with none of those. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> keep them coming, folks. And uh, <laughs> and if nothing else, it'll get you right on the show, that's for sure. Um they had, and Frank then went on with Luke and a few other people had some great talk about sales numbers. You know, I was talking about it before the break about Firestorm sales numbers and stuff. And they had some really in-depth discussions about which books are selling well, which ones weren't. Luke had some good insight and, and said that I think um, there's a good point about what DC wants versus what DC can sell. Yes. So there's some books that DC supporting even though they don't sell well because they want them. And, and Luke went on to say that the middle of the pack books – from a sales-wise he's talking about here, not quality, uh, are sort of jockeying for position, and it's creating some interesting intra-company competition to put out the best books. Because, yeah, you've got your ones at the very top and the ones in the middle, and the ones in the middle do seem to be sort of jockeying. I totally agree with that. And he also wrote in here, the ironic thing about all of this is for all the fanboys and comic journalists that rant and rave about how they want something new and different from the New 52, they all just buy a dozen Batman titles and ignore the offbeat books. That was a great point. I thought that was – well, he, he punctuates it with oi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a really great point that everybody says, oh, why don't they do something different? Well, it's like, well, because nobody buys the different – nobody buys OMAC. Yep. You know, or – although I was about to say nobody buys Men of War. I could argue Men of War wasn't very good, so, you know, you can't blame that. But, but yeah, you know, it's like, why don't you do something different? Well, then stop buying the 72 Batman books, you know? Yeah. Like Ragman. We mentioned Ragman. I would totally read a Ragman book. And, and actually, it's fair to say the four new titles that they're launching are sort of all offbeat books. You know, Phantom Stranger, the Yay, Sword and Sorcery. Phantom Stranger. Are you going to get it? Yes. 
Okay. Yes, I will get that. Excellent. Uh, sword and sorcery. Uh, the talent. The talent, as far as I'm concerned, is just another Batman book. Um, and then the fourth one is escaping me. I don't recall off the top of my head. Ooh. Oh well. But the, there were definitely sort of offbeat stuff there, and I hope they work. You know. Um, so. Well, you saw. I, you saw who's coming back, right? And DC Comics presents. DC Comics Presents. I was actually going to save this for the Who's Who episode, but you know what? You're right. I can't contain myself any longer, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Blue Devil is coming to the New 52, and it's not just Blue Devil by himself. They've done what I think is, quite honestly, a brilliant pairing. It's Blue Devil and Black Lightning together. Blue Devil is sort of the comical one. Black Lightning is the straight man. They're making sort of an odd couple buddy book out of the two of them and calling it Black and Blue. <laughs> I am I am so happy about this. Um the uh, the the early design art is not exactly what I was expecting. Um, put it mildly, and, and we'll have to see who the final artist on the book is. Uh, but it's being written by, and I'm terrible with names. You guys know that, so it's escaped me. But um, the guy who's writing it wrote Manhunter, the Kate Spencer Manhunter book, which was so good. So this book has it's appearing. It's like a five issue run in DC Comics Presents. It has the potential to be incredible. So I can't wait about that. And uh, hopefully that'll spin off into their own book, I hope. Fingers crossed, folks. Support Black and Blue. Forget Firestorm and Aquaman. That's where the action is. Uh, jumping back into the feedback again, Martin Stein, RIP, uh, came in and he, he said um, that he'd like to, and this, this is sort of what I was talking about earlier, he'd like to learn more about the Reese, which is the new Firehawk, so that she's as much of a fleshed-out character as Lorraine was. I totally, you know, I totally get where he's coming from. And uh, I hope they get a chance to do that as well. And uh, he asked a question here. He said, Rob, can you explain exactly what an embellisher does for the uninitiated? Um, yeah. And, I mean, an embellisher is essentially an inker. Um, but I think an embellisher is, does a little more of the figural drawing. I think it's, it's – like, I mean, I guess you could argue like a pencil or an inker is a 50-50 split. I think the embellisher – is it tips it more like a forty sixty split where the you know the the inker does a little more of the drawing, a little more of the completed drawing. Uh, the the penciler isn't quite getting in in all the details. At least that's as, I mean it, you know there's no hard and fast definition of it. But that's as far as I ever said is, is what the sort of difference is. Why they call somebody an embellisher as opposed as opposed to an inker. So if someone did layouts. Yeah, more than layer. layouts. I mean, more than layouts. I mean, so, again, it's it's so hard. I mean, some people, you know, like if you ever saw the, the the late great John Buscema's layouts when he would ink himself, there was mm-hmm. barely anything there. I mean, it was like a three lines, and that was a face, you know. And oh, then wow. he did. Then he would do the inking himself, and just boom! All of a sudden, you had Conan. Um, other guys, you know, embellish. Other guys' pencils were practically carved in stone. I mean, there used to be stories about pencilers that that. that it penciled so heavily that the ink would pool in the page because they would carve into it as if they were working, uh, you know, with chisels. So, oh, wow. it, yeah, it really does vary. But, uh, again, as far as I understand, the, the embellisher is just a, a way of acknowledging the inker is doing a little more of the drawing here than, than what you would typically consider. Hmm. That's fascinating. There you go. really is. Um. Good question. Thank you for that. Uh, actually, Martin Stein, RIP, is our buddy Robert Gross, by the way. But uh, going on to Keith Samra, one of our buddies from Down Under, he, uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on this show or if he's followed me from another podcast because he talks about Kenny Braverman and Conduit. Have you ever heard me talk about that, Frank? I don't, uh, I called you Frank. Oh, my. Okay. Podcast That's two episodes over. in a row I've done that. Wow. Freudian slip there. Tell you who I want to be podcasting <laughs> Apparently. with. Apparently. Um, 
Have I ever talked about Kenny Braverman or Conduit on this you know, show? No, I want to be doing a podcast with Emma Stone, but I don't call you Emma, so the least you could do. <laughs> That'd be a video podcast, by the way. <laughs> um, I have a deep-seated hatred for Kenny Braverman and Conduit, and I've talked name? about it. It sounds like it's from Anchorman. Uh, it's 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 post death of Superman, death of Clark Kent kind of era, and uh, I've talked about it many many times over on my buddy's show on um, Views from the Long Box, and I didn't know if Keith had followed me from over there to here or if I had talked about it here. Either way, he knows how to get right on the show though. He mentioned it, so good man, good call, Keith. <laughs> Keith wrote us again and said, On a Firestorm-related topic, I'm looking forward to future stories based on Ronnie and Jason just being teenagers uh, who happen to be superheroes or weapons of mass destruction. If they, adopt some of the old mag- if they adopt some of the magic of the old Jerry Conway stories and mix that with today's media and social network-obsessed teen traits, then I believe you'll have a book that should last well into the next few years. And uh, you know what? As I mentioned, um, it's been a journey, and we haven't had sort of a, a reset point, but I think it would be good to give us that maybe after issue zero so we have kind of a, a point where we know where we're coming from that's just my opinion i'm sure i'm going to love whatever we get but i um i agree that i think that that would be a good idea to see them as teenagers it'd be fun and it's quite possible you know with issue zero it does look like a big game changer could be what we're getting uh luke gave a shout out here for prisoner my, my mad passion for prisoner of war uh shag i appreciate your enthusiasm for prisoner of war because i also thought he had a fantastic showcase in this issue i'd really like to see more of this character in the future either a new advent either new adventures or an untold tales from the history of this universe shag and luke present fall in a prisoner of war podcast that's great <laughs> i love that and see there you go there'd be a great five-page digital only comic yeah jeff, you know? jeff johns get on that i tell you well i'm sure he's listening to the show yeah, so. i'm sure he is um want to give a shout out to our folks on Twitter. By the way, Rob and I have decided to create a social media phenomena. Um, <laughs> we just decided. <laughs> we uh, tell you what, for you Twitter folks, we'd like, uh, if you're going to post about Fire and Water Podcast, let's get a hashtag going. Yeah, it's so going to be Call Me Maybe. I think we're going to, I think we're going to leapfrog on that. <laughs> what? That buzz. That the hashtag is Call Me Maybe. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. You don't know that song? <laughs> no. My God, kind of a pop culture dungeon. Yeah, see now I just said that, and Darlin' Trisha just looked at me like you're like I'm crazy that you just said that. <laughs> Never heard that song. Oh my God, Shag, go outside. Love it. I I don't listen to the radio. You have chi- you have children. I listen to audio dramas. Oh my so. God. Oh. I'm sure my wife knows what it is. She knows all that oh. stuff. So. Okay. All right. Anyway, we're going to start a hashtag that is not whatever the heck Rob just said. <laughs> um, if we're the hashtag. Next thing you're going to tell me is like, did you know that, that the economy tanked? Anyway, so um, <laughs> we're going to start a hashtag of little pound signed FW podcast. So hash FW podcast. So all you Twitter guys, if you would, let's go ahead and start using that. That way we can all find each other. That way we kind of build some momentum. It'd be kind of cool. So, you know, uh, and if you don't, it just means you're not American. So, um, Which is not an insult to... Some of the guys. That's true. Some of our international listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you're not earthly. Let's put it that way. You don't support the earth. Anyway, so <laughs> got a couple of wonderful retweets this time by none other than Joe Harris and Yildere Sonar themselves. Nice. Uh, thank you guys so much. We we put the, you know, the tweets out there about the podcast, and they were kind enough to retweet it. So that's awesome. Also got some support from uh, – I'll read out our folks here – Bauhaus 45, which is Hector Negrete, High Rock, which is Corey Hodgden, Sueve del Nerd, which is La Sueve del Nerd, which is uh, translates to Nerd's Cave. That's great. 
Mass Fuego, our good buddy Raul Cotto verifies. Those of you keeping score at home, this month it's the real Raul Cotto. Yogi Kai, which is Kai Charles. Dab Creative, which is, uh, or it's Dob, I'm sorry, Dob Creative, which is Luke Dob, who I have officially dubbed the most dastardly creative man alive. Uh, Professor Allen, Allen Middleton. Rihanna Lauren, um, who's Brianna Lauren. Lee Novak 16, it's our buddy Lee Novak. Uh, Viva El Viento, which is Jay Ferguson. Lil Ruth, which is Ruth Segovia. iGlobalCast, which is iGlobalCast.com. Bella Faye Films, Ken Mora. Jane Days, which is Jane Days. Jay Slab 425, which is everyone's favorite alcoholic, Joe Slab. <laughs> and BB Netman, which is Bill Bailey. So uh, thank you to all you guys out there on Twitter. Your, um, your interview, Rob, got quite a few new Twitter folks involved, which is great. Yes, it did. The uh, Nerds Cave had a fun fact. Serena means mermaid in Spanish, which I did not know. Thank you very That's much. That's amazing. Yes, that was great. I wonder if she knows. She does. I, I oh. mentioned it to her, and she, 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 she said, oh, that's a delightful bonus, isn't it? Yeah, she knew that. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, as far as names go, um, for Fire & Water fans, Hector Negrete threw out Steam Junkies or Steam Nuts. <laughs> I don't know about the Steam Nuts. I think we're still working on it, folks. Um, there was a really funny bit that went back and forth. Lee Novak <laughs> put out there when the podcast came out. He wrote, another podcast episode. Finally, my life has meaning again. And Bill Bailey followed up with, is that you, Slipknot? <laughs> Which I don't even understand, because I would think Slipknot would not like the show, because we can make fun of it. Where else is Slipknot getting any press? I guess so. I guess, yeah, any, any press is good press, as they say. You exactly. know what? Before, you know, just before I forget, because I keep forgetting, I forgot, like, the last three episodes. I just want to mention, I don't mean to interrupt Shag, but I know I'm going to forget if I don't do it now. Uh, when I was at the Wizard World Philly Con, uh, one of our fans, Mr. Perturbed, a.k.a. Randy Caldwell, came up and introduced himself to me. So I got to meet Randy in person. Which was great. He gave me this little um, Aquaman metal sign that he made <laughs> at his job. It's like oh, bullet- awesome. yeah, it's like bulletproof. It's fantastic. But I wanted to, to, to mention that. He said how much he enjoys the, the show and stuff. I kept forgetting to mention that. And then the other one I wanted to mention too was Michael Bradley, who does the awesome Thrilling Adventures of Superman podcast. A couple episodes back, I think like half a dozen episodes, but he cranks those out really fast. He did a really great extended plug of the Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, the podcast and Ace Kilroy, like he took like five minutes of his show to plug all the stuff we're doing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and I keep forgetting to mention it. I keep meaning I want to grab that chunk and just put it in one of our own shows. So on our on our on our own show, we can have somebody talking about our own show. Um, <laughs> it's very meta. Yeah, it's very <laughs> MC Escher. I just want to mention that. I keep I kept forgetting. And I, I'm feeling bad because Michael did. You know, Michael just did mention us. He did like an extended plug. So thank you, Michael. Thank you, Randy, for introducing yourself to the show. I really appreciate it, and I'm sorry I didn't I kept forgetting to mention it, guys. Wow, that is really cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, really appreciate that. I, I'm going to seek that out now. Absolutely cool. Um, over on Facebook, uh, we got uh, Joe Harris and Yildre Sonar. The same day they did the Twitter retweets, were kind enough to post this up on their Facebook walls. Thank you so much, guys. That really meant a lot to me. I, uh, I made a comment thanking them, and Joe Harris responded, "Thank you for all your enthusiasm, Shag. We all appreciate your support." And uh, I just blew me away. That made my day right there. Mm-hmm. Woo! So what? Uh, what Jeff Johns write you? Oh, he didn't. <laughs> huh? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that was just mean on my part. It really I'm was. Sorry. It was. That Getting was the audience on my side. Oh, it's probably true. That's true. Well, I am irredeemable. It's all right there in the name, folks. So, uh, some I uh, got some support over on Facebook. Thank you, uh, Fred Clive, Lee Novak, Corey Hodgson. Uh, 
Lee wrote a very, very nice note to us about um, the podcast and how complimentary he was, and then Rob just dragged it down into the toilet. So thanks for that, Rob. Um, so over on Google+, Plus, uh, the amazing, the wonderful, the astonishing Google+, Plus that Rob hates and wants, to die, wants it to die a fire <laughs> death, uh, got support over there. By I bought me. heavily in the Facebook IPO. What do you want from me? <laughs> got support from Luke Giaconetti. Uh, Kichi Baker, Kevin Culp, Hector Negrete, and comic book and movie reviews. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, Luke left us a very nice complimentary uh, comment, so not that Rob will ever see it. So, um, as always, thank you to our good buddy, Diablo Frank, for mentioning us over on his site, DC Bloodlines, Direct Currents. And I, that's at dcbloodlines.blogspot.com. By the way, I just want to take a second to talk about this site. If you guys have never been out there, it's a site that just kind of, whereas we cover just Firestorm or just Aquaman, he kind of like covers any DC character he feels like that he's not already running 17 blogs about. And one of the things he's been doing is a series of posts called Comic Book Resume. And I love these. I don't know if you've checked them out, Rob, or not, but they are, basically it's just a snapshot of a month in time, like you'll say, like May 1984. Yeah, I have seen those, yes. Yeah, and he'll talk about the books that came out that month that he either bought or have read since, and it's just like personal uh, recollections, anecdotes, thoughts on the issue, whatever. And I love these things, man. I just they're they're really cool and they're very personal, and I just I dig it. So y'all should check that out. Uh, we got an email from a new fan. I'm gonna now. This is my okay. You left, this, you left <laughs> this one for me. All right. His name is Dawood Fakurian. I'm gonna say if I didn't get that right, Dawood, please let us know. Uh, he wrote the, regarding Aquaman number nine, the sign changing languages in Aquaman number nine. Um, the Golden Seal Black Mana stole from the Seer is officially called the Golden Seal of Clarity. I assume this pertains to old school seals used for official documents and stuff, so it basically bestows clarity. In this case, it translated the sign into a language Black Mana can understand whenever you stamp with it. That's I didn't think about that, and it makes total sense. So thank you, David. That, that, that's really good. That was a great fact. That was a... Uh... Do it, like flash facts or what they used to call them on flash. Did they, is there like an Aquaman fun fact or something? <laughs> they should have that. I don't know. No, they didn't have anything like that. They had an official name for it, but they should. That's your fish fact for today, folks. Yeah, that's what it is. That's a bit of a groaner. Okay. Uh, next email came from Jack Dower. And uh, Jack thought I was saying that Firestorm was getting canceled. And uh, he and I have I've emailed him since then. So explaining that no, Firestorm's not getting canceled. It's just there's some folks that are concerned about it. But he wrote this message that says, Here I sit at work listening to the, to the two of the greatest podcasters out there. I think to myself, I really love those Firestorm issues. I'm already a waterlog, thanks to Rob. I think I'll go Matchhead also and pick up a bunch of Firestorm issues at the San Diego Comic-Con this year. Well, they have, they have That's comics all. at the San Diego Comic-Con? That's great. I, whenever I go to a comic convention, that is the hardest thing to find. Is comic, <laughs> I will admit, absolutely. But uh, you can trip over, you know, a bunch of people dressed as the Joker nurse. But finding comics is like a pain in the butt. But uh, that's great. I love. Once again, we're affecting the back issue market, which is fantastic. So, uh, and thank you for the compliment. And I hope you do pick up some old Firestorm comics. That's awesome. Tell me what you think. And then his P.S. here is. Uh, Rob, if Slipknot's catchphrase is rope burn, what would scavengers be? <laughs> That's a good one. Considering what uh, what some writers turn the scavenger into later on, which we don't want to get into, like they really turned him super dark, super, super, super dark. Uh, I'm kind of glad we're, we're going back the other way. We're not talking about your slash fiction here. No. Um, I do think that – I really do think we need to – We've been joking about it long enough. I think we really do need to do a segment in an upcoming show about Slipknot Scavenger. I really do. I do. I think so. Oh, you know, before we get off of Jack's uh, email, 
Uh, I wanted to mention this. He, he throws this in. Uh, oh, well, if Ronnie does crash and burn, at least there's always Ace Kilroy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jack, I like the way you think. <laughs> 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 Thank you for that. I, that made my day when I saw that in the email. Got a nice email from Roberto from Italy. That's, he my, wrote uh, that's that- my Italian identity. Right. Hi, <laughs> I'm from Italy. Oh, jeez. There you go. That's not going to offend any of our international listeners. I'm, Robert- half, I'm half Italian. What's the matter with you? I'm glad Roberto just turned it off. So. <laughs> I'm in the mob. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, Roberto wrote, he's an Italian fan. He fears he's the only one in Italy by now. Firestorm. He loves the current series of the, of the New 52, and he told us it's a very good podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roberto. Uh, Ryan Withers from one of our good buddies from down under. He's in Melbourne. He wrote in. He's uh, an American. <laughs> yes, he is an American. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> He's probably happy with that. And most people from outside of our country are, from as I understand. <laughs> um, he wrote just a question on what your on a, just a he's asking an opinion question on revisiting some of the Aqua War story from Brightest Day. Is it impossible to think Johns would revive the Zebel dimension in the New Fifty Two? Uh, I, I think he already has essentially. Because in that one issue where we see Mira getting um, a command from her father to go kill Aquaman, I presume that's the Zebel dimension. But it didn't get named as No, much. it didn't, but I assume that that's what it is. So yeah, so you're saying you assume Mira's uh, history is intact, that she is from another dimension, and then she still has the sister, uh, what, Siren? Or Siren, yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I would bet the farm that that's what it is. I mean, why bother to introduce that new character in... Brightest day, and then just forget about her and red kid. So I'm I'm pretty sure that they're good. That's that's his plan. Careful, that statement you just made could get you in a lot of trouble. Of uh, why introduce it in brightest day just to get rid of it? You know, as point. in, oh, I don't know everything that happened to Firestorm. Right, so, but that's but this is Jeff Johns and Jeff Johns as opposed to or Hawkman, different writer, or Martian Manhunter. Right, but Jeff Johns is not writing those characters. <laughs> I know. I'm just he doesn't care. Oh, <laughs> he cares. He has to. He's the what, chief creative officer or that's whatever true. I think it is. That's true. So. Um, we got an email from Brendan Savinsky. Uh, Re Justice League Aquaman comment. Hey, Shag and Rob, love the show. Whenever it shows up on my podcast feed, it is always the very first thing I listen to. I'm a fan of Aquaman ever since the Justice League animated series in 2000, where they made him a serious badass. I've always been a fan of the concept of Firestorm, but when I started collecting the comics, there was no Firestorm series, so I learned everything I could through the DC Comics database when he was in Brightest Day. Uh, he had two questions about for me for Justice League number 10. What is with that flashback scene on page seven? And who is that Volko guy? Well, Volko is like was for years was Aquaman's like right hand man in terms of running Atlantis, and he was always the guy that every time Aquaman went off on a Justice League mission, he just handed it off to. He's basically like Aquaman. Lucius, he's Lucius Fox. Yeah, he's like he's yes, and he's he's like he's uh, Aquaman's vice president essentially. You know? <laughs> Here, you just handle. I'm off fighting Black Mana, and so this was the first appearance of Volko in the new Two Fifty Two universe. Two, what did you think of the question the reporter asked of Aquaman why he is in the Justice League and not someone with greater qualifications like Vibe? That whole scene really confounded me that, uh, like, in Justice League, reporters are goofing on Aquaman. Like, I don't understand how Aquaman has gotten this loser reputation because he's only been around for five years and he's been with the Justice League all those five years. And they've already established that in the new 52, the Justice League is considered like gods. You know, like the book that that one guy's writing wrote about them is called Gods Among Men. So it's like everyone considers the Justice League like the, the pinnacle of, of like, you know, humanity, and yet they goof on Aquaman. Like, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just like a weird holdover from the previous Aquaman universe. So that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Maybe Jeff Johns will explain it, but right now. Why don't, they, 
Yes. Well, I was going to say, I don't think everyone thinks they're gods. I mean, there's obviously that one dude, but he's also crazy as heck. Yeah, but, but they've also established that that book is, like, the greatest selling book in the world. Oh. Yeah, okay. So, you know, and he's, like, he became this famous author based on that book, so... But pop culture, I mean, you know, they love to build up a hero and then tear him down. So after yeah. five years of building him up, maybe they're in the mode where they tear him down. I mean, you look at, you know, any celebrity talk show or celebrity, you know, uh, what do they call those, reality shows, there's always somebody, you know, Snooky or somebody that's getting taking a beating in the, in the media. Yeah, I guess. I, I, it just, it's, I don't know, it just feels weird that he, they're, they're dragging that part of his old character characterization into this new universe where... He is a total badass, and he's going around killing, you know, got people and has that hot wife. I don't know. It just doesn't – to me, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I don't, I don't know that people's popularity is based on having a hot wife. <laughs> I think that's how it works in a lot of ways. Okay. Well, why aren't I famous then? Because uh, my wife's gorgeous. So, uh, And I'm not famous. So that's not fair. So, Brendan, uh, I want to also say Brendan is also responsible for our cool echo effect on listener feedback. He Thank did, you very yes, yes. He actually sent that to us, and we've been using it uh, to much enjoyment. And he also, um, he's doing a podcast right now called the Movie Fans Podcast. They've done a commentary for all five of the main uh, Marvel movies, and they did a review of Avengers. And you can find that at moviefanspodcast.zxq.net. So be sure to check that out. Yeah. Um, in terms of iTunes, we didn't get it. We haven't gotten any new iTunes reviews in a long time, and like I, I think we really want some. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's time, folks. Yeah, come on. Somebody step up. We have, we've had the same 38 reviews for quite a long time. Let's get some new ones. I really enjoy seeing them, and they help pop the show up in, in the iTunes feed and stuff like that. So please, somebody step up, you know? And don't be sarcastic. Actually, give us a good review. So. Aw, look at you just begging. <laughs> what the hell? I am begging. Sure, I am. What the hell? See, is that all our feedback? We, I think that's that's, that's that's all. It's like 13 pages. I know. It's a lot of feedback. <laughs> we do get a ton of feedback, so thank that. We, we thank guys. We really do appreciate it. Um, it is, it's wonderful. I can't thank you guys enough. Keep it up posting on the blogs. So, you know, send us the emails. At, what's that email address, Frank? Yes. God. Wow. Oh, what man. is with that? All right, I, folks. Well, yeah, okay. I guess we'll get that Frank on the show again sometime yes. soon. I keep calling Rob <laughs> well, that. Okay. Well, Emma, the podcast, uh, the email address is firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. There you go. Right. So shoot us the emails. Put the notes on our on our, um, on our our blogs, the iTunes reviews. Just send this stuff our way. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it and the amount of feedback we get. It's just heartening, and it's it's wonderful. And I, as I've said before many times, I think it really helps build this community of, of Aquaman and Firestorm fans. Like you know, we saw all the banter going back and forth on Firestorm fan between Luke and Frank and and, and Robert and all these different folks chiming in. So and Keith, it's it's great to see that. So keep yeah, it it coming, great. Folks. Yeah, yeah, we really enjoy it. We really do enjoy it. So uh, okay, I said that's oh, uh, as always. Where can we find uh, Firestorm uh, on the on the web, Shane? You can find uh, my site at firestormfan.com. You can also find it on Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus under the same. Uh, where can they find Aquaman? Uh, AquamanShrine.com, Facebook, Twitter, and on Google Plus. It is there. And not, I, really. Yes, not really. Yes, I've added posts and nobody's written. You know what? I, That's like saying Firestorm fans on, on MySpace because we were at one point and it's been, you know, five years or something. So don't, don't even pretend you're on You Google know, Plus. Emma, just drop it. Um, <laughs> that's going to end this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. We thank you always for listening, and uh, can't wait for you to come back for the next episode. Uh, until yep. then, so f- folks, fan the flame and ride the wave. All right, have a all right. I'm messing this. I'm. I'm oh my God, I'm messing this exit up really badly.
So should I just do it again? Okay. Um, where where do you want to pick up from? Just pick up anywhere. I'm leaving all this in. Oh. <laughs> okay. Thanks again, folks, and remember to fan the flame and ride the wave. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice in sea, on land, in air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman. Storm, super friends forever. Yeah.